0: Welcome and or hello to Level Select, a podcast about finding the best levels in video games. That was Programma by Module, a slightly modulated edited version of it to make, not make it sound So you modulated module. Suitable. Modulated a module, like okay. they haven't heard it yet, but it is lovely. Modulated boo.
1: That, my favorite mm. my favorite dragon Ball villain mm-hmm. I really liked when he turned that girl into candy mm-hmm. uh, oh boy which one there's multiple girls the there's the one that, that he turns into a, a handsome dude's face and tries to blow a kiss at and she's like no <laughs> let me is tell you pretty uh, boo is boo is not <laughs> not pretty boo's a problem
2: no no boo's very vascular though the no oh shows. god
1: here we go. You know, who else is, you know who else is vascular and really into stri- striations is, uh, Ridley? Samus Ridley. Aran, thank Ridley. you very much. Sam, uh, Old Samus. <laughs> no, new Samus is too focused on, on beauty and looks. Ugh. Ugh. Old Samus, she does this o- thing called makeup. Ugh. Gross. Old Samus was seven feet tall and could rip my torso in half with their bare hands. <laughs> That's my Samus. You'd be hard throughout it. Hell exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, but we're actually not oh. even talking about old Metroids. We're talking—I I don't even know if I call them new Metroids, though, because they are like Metroid Prime's fucking what? It's—it's it's always it's going to be. It's going
2: to be twenty years old by the time that the Metroid Prime <laughs> Four comes out in 2022. <laughs> so,
1: Christ! Oh my God! I don't want to think that. About that said,
0: what is on our plates this episode? Brendan Hesse and Dylan Tierney.
2: Do you want us both to answer in tandem? Med- I mean, you can Metroid Prime. I,
0: I, um, Metroid Prime. There we go. Fandrina the original Drifts. Metroid Drift Prime. For, mm, you, you just want to like go, just go ahead and spoil the rest of the episode. That's it. I've...
1: It's in the title. <laughs> it's Well, you can't <laughs> you can't spoil metadata. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's Fandrina Drifts. All right, spoilers. You fight well, these, well, the you fight these weird fucking dog ice creatures that <laughs> have like have like arbor on their backs, porcupine oh, ice on their backs.
2: There's snow.
1: That that's most of what I remember. Listen, about the okay. Some people listen to podcasts on the playlist, and you know they they
0: have like a like a nice little mix of various podcasts, and you lead up to it. Some people aren't even looking at the at the title. You know, it just downloads, and you just go on the on the playlist.
1: You know, when I have when speaking, I have a topic by topic podcast, I too don't like to look at the topic. <laughs> <laughs> So, yes, we are talking uh, about <laughs> the lovely uh, Arctic descriptive words for Fendrina Drifts in Metroid Prime. Probably the best level in the game. I know I was I was uh, hoping for Talon 4, but that's more, like, if I was going to do, That's like, an
0: entire planet.
1: If I do Metroid... Well, I meant the overworld, you know? I know Talon 4. Look, don't come to me talking it's- about Metroid Prime minutia. I know <laughs> Talon 4 isn't the whole fucking level, like... I don't go uh, talking talk to me about metadata about my pack podcast. About, in my, in my, in my <laughs> house, in my virtual house, you come to me and tell me that I don't know about Metroid Prime. <laughs> no, but Drift is Drift is a seminal kind of arctic track uh, for game music, which really sets the scene for the rest of the level. Uh, it's definitely a highlight in Metroid Prime, which uh, in a lot of ways, aesthetically and music-wise, uh, is a bit of a greatest hit of Zelda. Jeez, of uh, Metroid games. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to talk about it. It's a hell of a level. Hell
0: yeah. Before we get knee-deep into that level talk, we gotta talk a little bit about the development, because, who oh boy, there's a lot of it. So, it was released in November of 2002 in America, or February 2003 in Japan or March 2003 in the EU or April 2003 in Australia. It has multiple release dates depending on where you live. So it was made by Nintendo and Retro Studios, a Texas-based developer who was made kind of primarily for the Metroid series. It wasn't until, oh gosh, like, Iwata and Miyamoto visited Retro Studios and just basically called all their, all their games in development. There was like four of them, just all just like garbage, pretty much. And <laughs> so you just saw this one like action adventure game, and it's so it's like, yeah, we can maybe make
1: Metroid out of that, maybe sure, because uh, like Metroid uh, Retro had those projects, and Miyamoto and Niwada and Nintendo ilk of that time were just like, mm, we, uh, these are whatever, but we can kind of push you in the right direction for what we want to do with Metroid. Because at the same time they're making Metroid Fusion, uh, and, and those those two games that came out on the same day. Yeah, they do. Um, but right, right. F- for the years prior to Metroid Prime, like uh, that's what Retro was kind of made for. Like that's what N- Retro was formed with under Nintendo umbrella.
0: Yeah, like various like people at at, at uh, Retro did mention there was like four games in, in development at that time. But until Mr Miyamoto and Mr Iwata came to our studios, and th- this is. Uh, P- Pansini, the, the pretty much like the, the person behind the entire trilogy of Metroid. He was the game director of all three games, practically. And oh gosh, like it, it, his catalog is it, it's probably the most um, prolific mm-hmm. from Met, from retro. So it, it, his his track record is, is is fairly dense, I would say. It's Mark Pansini, a new designer, went on to be. J- j- just be the, be the person behind the entire trilogy up until um, Donkey Kong Country Returns and Mario Kart Seven. After that point, like I, I,
1: it gets a little hazy. But well, regardless, I mean, it's it's hazy because we don't know what they're working on. Because it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's it's present day. You know, we know that that retro now is working on Metroid Prime Four, but that is you know that's a pre-development phase, pretty much. Like they're probably just working. Some some technical demos up right now. Like the Metroid Prime Four is definitely out on the proof horizon. of concepts. Oh yeah. So yeah yeah, and, and the Donkey Kong Country games have done very well for them. You know, like they they, they made those games and re released them on 3DS and Switch to pretty uh, pretty good uh, you know acclaim. Like those those are very good 2D platformers. And like while the Metroid Prime team isn't the same. Like, while the, the retro isn't the same as when they made Metroid Prime in 2002, there's still some talent there, for sure. Like, it it could still totally work out, but it was Metroid Prime yes, in uh, 2002 that really kicked off all of that for the Nintendo
0: GameCube. I did do some digging, and I did find some engineers from the original Metroid Prime one, mm-hmm. and... They're still working at Retro. At the very least, they were still working at Retro when Tropical Freeze, a 2014 game, I believe. So they're still working on Tropical Freeze during that year, and you would assume they would be still there being as senior engineers. Because if you look at most of the talent who's still at Retro, it was a lot of people who were brought on to to, uh, Retro in, in Metroid Prime 3, which... I'm not sure what, what what the what the temperature is on that one cuz like cuz like isn't that like like the the I don't want to say the the worst Metroid Prime game. Yeah, that's fair.
2: Yeah. It's fair. I okay. mean, it's I mean, me, the first Metroid Prime is unequivocal. Unequivocally unequivocally the best. Oh my god, I couldn't get that out. Um like <laughs> like no question. 2 and 3 both you know, two's got the light world, dark world thing, and three has it's chopped up a little bit more. There's more story. There's more. There's more. It's still. more
1: narrative focused, and then more, more like handholdy in terms of like level of structure design. Yeah. Like you're gonna go to your uh, ship and fly to this world and do this thing. Like uh, it, it felt like Metroid Prime Three was trying to be a bit too contemporary, uh, a bit too like quote unquote modern instead of doing its own thing like Prime One, and I'd even say Prime Two did. Um, yeah. Prime Two uh, really was just because it was kind of more the same, and people didn't like that at the time. Uh, but uh, okay. and yeah, the light and dark world stuff was kind of weird. It was a hard mm-hmm. game. It was definitely a difficult game. Yeah, but, I, d- uh, I
2: didn't like. I actually didn't like Two very well when I first played it. It was when I played it uh, on the on the Wii Trilogy Collection that I mm-hmm. I finally kind of it clicked for me. But yeah, uh, I don't know. Going from Prime to Prime 2 was kind of a disappointment. So for me, Prime 3 was actually. I actually like Prime 3 better for a long time than 2, but I think I would. Yeah, they're flipped or see them equally now. I, it doesn't matter because I still think, like, the first game is still the the game in that series that I go back to.
1: It's so, so good. It's I so literally. Good. I, I, I found the cables to my GameCube and literally fired up Metroid Prime yesterday. Oh, wow. Uh, on a fresh save. It's. <laughs> It's it's very very good. Just uh, from starting out with all your stuff, like immediately having the proof of concept of this like first person first person platforming that really th- you'd think would just kind of suck. Uh, like they really nailed that out of the gate, and even the controls while old uh, still don't feel terrible. Like it, it as long as you know like yeah you're kind of doing everything on the left stick, um, and then using the shoulder buttons to kind of change perspectives. It was fine. I, I think it works. I'm sure the Wii remakes are a bit more modernized, like, for, uh, in terms of how you're moving around and how you're shooting, but, uh, it's still very solid. Like, Metroid Prime is a hell of a game.
2: I'll tell you, the way that I play it these days is on the Dolphin Emulator, you play the trilogy collection, <laughs> of course. and you map the movement of the, uh, the mote, the Wiimote movement to your mouse, so you're basically playing mm-hmm. a, it doesn't... It doesn't work exactly like it. You can kind of. You have to change it in the settings a little bit to get it to play like a right. normal first person shooter, like with a WASD and a and keyboard or and mouse support. But that's the way to play it. Yeah. That's the way that I play it nowadays. So it's real good. That seems good. It's cool. real good.
0: But Nintendo's not listening.
2: But. <laughs> hey, we've bought, we bought,
1: we bought these games how many
2: times? Um, so we're at, we're, true, true. Each one or just the first one?
1: Let's just say the first one. Oh, God, here we go.
2: Four, F. have, it's I have
1: like four a, copies a, of it. Yeah, yeah, I have three. Say, yeah. So,
0: Jesus, same same amount of Mario's in Mario Kart Eight. Four. Uh, uh, yeah. I, yeah.
2: Yeah, what a fool in Dragon Ball Fighters. <laughs>
1: Oh, no, there's like seven no. Goku's now. Oh, yeah. yeah, sorry, that's how many times and, I've bought Dom I mean, do you count Goku Black, Look, though? I mean, yeah. Goku Black's he is physically Goku. And look, and, and if you want me to get in the weeds, Vegito is like 100% Goku and 100% Vegeta, so, you know. You God.
2: Just got to yeah, throw that is, out there. No, but, but uh... I mean, <laughs> 50% of each? I'm confused on that one. No,
1: there's still... there. I still consider fusions, you're 100% of both. I know it doesn't quite make, make sense scientifically, but it just so, so personality-wise and so like, power-wise.
2: is there, like, a controlling personality? At-
1: no. Well, in Fusion, uh, if you are, like, not two equal entities, um, there is a dominant personality. Like, when Kibito fuses with the Supreme Kai, the Supreme Kai is the dominant personality. Right. Okay. But Vegeta and Goku are kind of equals on that whole front uh, and while well, you can make the case that hey, a little bit more Vegeta comes out of Vegito because of his cockiness and his bit, uh, his willingness to play around, um, and you got V in the name, and, so it's it's kind of like obvious and, there. Yeah, um, but while Gogeta has a bit more of uh, the whimsy of Goku, if you will. But uh, why? Why did you get me talking about Dragon Ball? You know I can't stop. <laughs> because secretly, I just I just really want to. It's so hard not to really talk about Dragon Ball. I've been <laughs> listening to
2: a lot of All Systems Goku, and it's just fresh on my mind. You know.
1: Just get Dr. Giro to work on Samus and really ingrain all that Metroid stuff, like, make him, make her a Planet Buster, you know? <laughs> Dylan? If I a could bunch get... A shit
2: out of Ridley. If I... my went into this whole thing. I have a list of topics. If we're going to talk about Metroid, we might as well talk about Dragon Ball, and if I can get... Uh, I'll, I'll, I think we can work on a few more. I did say Dark Souls earlier. If I say Monster Hunter and Zelda, I mean, I think we've covered all of And... Um, let's not forget Morrowind, you know. for this... Uh, for this episode, just round it out. Yeah, so, yeah. Out.
1: I mean, I, I'm I'm set with just literally Dragon Ball and Metroid. So we've already we've already ticked those boxes multiple <laughs> times. Yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, this is this is a watershed moment for this series. I tell you what. Okay, Brendan, uh,
1: I I got
0: I got two games okay. for you. Are, are these on your list? Arkham Origins, Black Gates, and Microsoft's Free Core. The are they f- on your list? On
2: my list of what?
0: On the list of games you want to talk oh, well,
2: about. I, I mean, you did you you mentioned the best uh, Batman. Arkham game, so that's cool. I do like that game a lot. And you also mentioned a game that uh, is almost like Metroid, but it isn't. So that's cool.
1: Yeah, it was trying to sell itself as being a spiritual successor to Metroid Prime because it had some old retro people. And and
2: people don't... game looks not good, though. People forget this, but a lot of people also thought it was a spiritual successor to Mega Man Legends. Because it was Keiji Inafune. That is a take. They're just
1: pulling names out of a hat.
2: Well, I mean... Yikes. I'm not kidding, like, you go back and reread that coverage, like, everything was touting like, this is Metroid and Mega Man developers, it's gonna be like, Metroid Prime and Mega Man Legends had a beautiful cyberpunk baby, and it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs>
0: to be fair, I mentioned those games because Mark Pansini, the game director of the entire Metroid Prime trilogy, left Retro to make those two games, direct those two oh, okay. games. I didn't
2: know that about Arkham, actually. That makes a lot of sense. Ar-
0: Ar- Arkham Origins Blackie, the the one that was kind of on the Vita and uh, portable
1: consoles. Sure, it's it's, it's a Metroidvania. Oh, it seems yeah, like well, very Batman. It. it seems Shadow Complex.
2: I thought you mentioned. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought you said. My bad. I thought you said just Arkham Asylum. I just that's what my. my <laughs> oh no, no. no, no. That in. <laughs> I mean that that is the best. That like is, that Arkham is the best game. Arkham game. That's I what I, I thought you said. No that. questions there. Yeah. Because <laughs> anyone who says city or no, night but, like, is wrong. <laughs>
1: I like City a lot. Yeah, they but, are.
2: Yeah, I uh, actually like no both of the, I like all three of those games really well. no Asylum. But yeah, Asylum's the best.
0: It's diminishing returns in, in, in the way where there's more things. It, it, it's kind of like loses its luster with every entry. Kind of
2: like those first, those first three Metroid Prime games. Sort of.
0: Yeah, that yeah. is true. Uh, Made by Mark Pancini, who did an interview with Game of Sutra. Because they posted an article from the 2007 Montreal Games Summit, where then-Retro CEO Michael Kioba and game director Mark Pansini spoke about the series. Now, I mentioned earlier that Miyamoto and Iwata came to Retro and to check out the games that, that Retro was making, and Pansini, this is like an interesting point, mm-hmm. he was overhearing someone saying that Miyamoto saw the car combat game Retro was making and said "Why would you put guns on cars? Don't cars crash into each other? Isn't that what they do?" <laughs> and then like Pennsy continued that story with like I really remember speaking to one of the leads coming out of out of his meeting about the car combat game and the lead on the action adventure concept and he actually said "Miyamoto doesn't know what he's talking about. He's ridiculous." <laughs> <laughs>
1: I mean, clearly they hadn't so seen. So this is like early meat. 2000s. Clearly they hadn't yeah. seen the uh, twisted metal.
0: Oh, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it's like this is the new hot, not new shit. Polygons. Polygons. Put me them on though. your
1: GameCube. Let them. Uh, we're still in the play it loud era. Let's fuck some shit up.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> let's f, let's f some blam up, and then print it in Nintendo power. I'm sure, uh, the, verbatim. But uh, I am glad they kind of were guided into Metroid, that's for sure. So
0: two other big wigs at, at, uh, at Retro at the time for Metroid Prime was executive producer Steven Bracia, programmed and designed for the tactics series of Masters of Orion. And after Metroid Prime, he pretty much executive produced three more games, and they have very little to do with, like, tactics or sci-fi shooters. Can anyone take a guess what he produced after it? And they were EA games, just to
2: give it oh, heads. Oh, he, uh, it, um, it was Halo Three. Dead Space. Or, or it was Halo Four. Okay, Halo Four. Well, Dead, Dead Space. Um,
0: Dylan, what's your guess? Dead Space. Dead Space. Okay. Um, all right. So the first one was Def Jam: Fight for New Death. York. All right. Yep. Okay. <laughs> then the second one was SSX on Tour. Okay. And Need for Speed: Undercover. Hmm. Video games They're are weird.
2: Yeah, it's an inspired alternate. list. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, actually, inspired there is list. Yeah, I would have thought Halo oh, yeah. Four. I well, I bought up Halo Four go because ahead, yeah. the um, I forget their name, but the one of the art uh, art leads on uh, the Metroid Prime series went on to go to three four three and worked on three or Halo Four and Five. That's an interesting note. But uh, that is why the enemies in the... What are they called? The... Forerunners? Yes. They, Forerunners, they, sure. They are yeah. reminiscent of some of the space pirate uh, designs you the see, mega especially pirates. in... Yeah, in some of the later... Yeah. Uh, parts of the game.
0: That kind of explains... Okay, yeah. That, that is... If you put those two side by side, you could say, like, a, yeah, I can definitely see the inspiration yeah.
2: there. Right. And you look at some right. of the... Um, Environmental design, and level design—you you can see some some finality peeking through that is present in the Metro Prime games as well.
0: So, speaking of EA, the last person I want to talk about from Retro is producer Michael Mann. No, not that one.
2: <laughs> Has spent
0: most of their career at EA. Specifically, Mann worked at the now defunct Black Box Game Division and EA Canada as a producer. Games like three Need for Speed games by the names of Most Wanted, Pro Street, and Shift. In addition, man transitioned from QA to producing through EA's NHL series in the late 90s. So sports games and racing games makes you kind of qualified to make Metroid games, apparently. But I guess so. That's for another time. Yeah. (laughs) Fair enough. But so might as well just to get right into it. I am kind of done talking about development because if you were really want to get into the nitty-, nitty gritty on like who else produced the game, who else w- was like a big factor in, you gotta add in Shigeru Miyamoto, Ken- Kenji Kenji Mi- Miki, Akira or or o- Otani and Kinsuke Tanabe. So th- those those fellows have like. If what it feels like over a hundred credits to their name because it's just so hard to pinpoint what, what games they were attached to and such.
1: Right. No, that's but that's really cool. How, regardless how how, um, how they kind of ventured forth. I mean, yeah, like it doesn't seem very exciting. I, oh, they worked on a bunch of racing games and sports games, but I mean, it's it, weird. It them was pretty cool. You know, Metroid has never been a huge selling franchise. It's always kind of been a hardcore niche thing. Um, I, I'd say it was at its peak with. Uh, in this era of Metroid Prime and Metroid Fusion, like this early two thousands, they had the big push, you know. Like, and it, and it wouldn't be much longer until we got Zero mm-hmm. Mission and we, and Prime was a pretty compelling series for about five years there. So, yeah, I mean, it, it yeah, it, pretty it, it high highs like, for Metroid. Four entries
0: in its series, and, and all like, it feels like quick succession too.
1: Well, yeah, because you had Prime and then Prime Two, and like, I, I'm pretty sure Prime Hunters was the year after that, and then you had fucking. Prime 3. So, yeah. I, I'm, I'm very, very happy to keep talking about Metroid Prime because, like, I... I off the top of my head, because all those notes I had off were just because I've I've watched and consumed and digested a lot about this game just because it's a very special game. Uh, near and dear to me, as it were. So...
0: Fair enough. So, do you have anything in the note about the development of it? Because I've got, like, one final sad and unfortunately relevant... Um, tidbits. I
1: mean, uh, all I... All uh, all the other stuff I have is just that, like, it, originally they weren't going to do a, thir- a first-person game. It originally it was going to be in third-person, but Miyamoto kind of struck the idea of having it be as this co- sort of first-person exploration kind of game and, it like, looked, looking at right. notes and doing research.
2: It looked weird. Like, have you seen... Have you guys seen the screenshots from when it was a third-person game? And It I, looks very off. It, it's, sh- it's strange, man. It just and I th- i'm pretty sure they're <laughs> running on uh it was on a like a n64 engine it was getting a. a re- it was like a it was started life as an n64 game and then was heard over to the gamecube and but it just so it just looks really hmm. primitive and weird it's got that that early 3d just jank to it it's Really it looks strange.
1: like a it looks like a weird it looks like a weird older version of like those RE4 demos that they uh, the 17 RE4 uh, concept demos they had yeah like nothing seems to to mesh together and it was just a really weird artistic direction for sure because it was like this a ported you know like going from carts to discs it, it's a weird process for sure but it, it never really just huh. it was so strange for Metroid Prime and, and Sam is the like she
2: should be in uh, that uh, that reboot show it's just weird. <laughs> Jeez.
1: Yeah, it was definitely very early, early 3D kind of stuff. I'm I'm glad they took the direction they did with Metroid Prime, if only because by not having so much of the, the focus be on like modeling Samus and having her suit be so on the front on the forefront, like they're they're able to do a lot of cool stuff subtly with the first person perspective. Like when you go into a like a, a swamp or something and the temperature is real hot and you fog up your visor, you can see Samus in the reflection a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I.
0: Also in a lot of the cutscenes too, like you if like you want to check out the suits, it, it, it's there for that. Right. A lot of the cutscenes are just just involved like, all right, going up an elevator, going down an yeah, elevator. There's a
1: lot of that kind of loading for sure. But uh, yeah. also in <laughs> in Fandrena drifts, which is the level we'll be talking about for the most part. Uh, there's also those those cool effects of of like the cold hitting the visor and like your beam can heat stuff up. Like your suit will get hot, obviously being in use. Um, it's just really cool how they were able to play with the first person perspective, because this is before, you know, this is what a year after halo one, you know, console shooters were still very much in their infancy. Like this stuff hadn't really been done yet. I think you could say like, Oh, star Wars Renegade squadron did some of this stuff too. Uh, it had more of just like information HUD on your, uh, on your helmet Mm -hmm. visor. Like, uh, it was less about the environment, more about just information, but it's, it's still pretty cool. It
0: did. It certainly feels more like a modern first-person shooter compared to the other like console shooters. Because because like when Halo came out, that that was pretty much like okay, yeah, th- this is what shooters should be, like first-person shooters should be. Not th- now that it's like garbage GoldenEye shit shit so, <laughs> on, on the N64. <laughs> one of the
2: um, I guess you'd say like sources of inspiration, the DNA strains that went into Metroid, the Metroid Prime series specifically, and especially the first one um and it's interesting that you mentioned halo uh people don't talk about how much marathon bungie's old uh pre-halo series is is in metroid just the way you're kind of scanning things the um the story is kind of told in background text stuff that you read which is all very compelling and actually it's one of the few times in a game that i was like i'm gonna read all this stuff because you like Huh. It's really interesting and it's more of like a first person I mean, Marathon was often compared to, you know, Doom at the time. Doom. It was like this Doom clone, uh, so to speak, for I'm the Mac. Mac. But it plays in retrospect it plays more like a Metroid game in its weird geometry and backtracky levels and more narrative focus than the the like arcadiness of Doom. And then going from there is kinda of like a an offshoot strand from from um, Marathon, you have uh, the System Shock games, especially the first System Shock, the level design in that game is basically a Metroid game, but in first person. And you know, it's it's got this kind of hybrid first person adventure huh. thing, quick adventure, but also uh, fully, you know, freedom of movement uh, in, in three dimensions and that sort of thing. but. I mean, the first System Shock is kind of a Metroid Prime game in its in its uh, design and some of the ways that you know y- you are solving puzzles and that sort of thing. And that's so. I think at the time, people on consoles didn't really have a touchstone for this, whereas like you know, a PC centric audience would look at this and be like, "Oh yeah, we know what that's like." Whereas like you know, it wasn't just that they didn't have first person shooters like Halo, they just didn't have first person games like this, like at all on uh, on consoles, hmm. especially on a Nintendo console. So it was a really big change, not just from taking I'm 2D to 3D or Metroid 2D to 3D, but just for how games play on consoles entirely. Huh.
1: That's really cool to, to ruminate
0: on for wow, sure. Wow, like I did not expect that at all about System Shock. I just it's like oh it's
1: System Shock 2
0: yeah, yeah, and Bioshock's the, you know, the spiritual successor to I mean, that series. System
2: Shock Two is it's a little bit more streamlined, it's much more of an RPG focus. Um it it okay. it, it doesn't have the same it doesn't have the same kind of isolated beer it it feels more like a Bioshock game, I guess you could say, than it does a Metroid game. And that's not to say that System Shock is like a it's it's not a metroidvania but it's almost one in its openness and the way that you explore and solve puzzles that's something that I mean I mean I'm not the only one who who talks about or see, who saw that sort of connection um, in fact a lot of this stuff you can hear uh, Jeremy Parrish is really uh, interested in those connections and he talks a lot about it on some of his YouTube videos and stuff if anyone's interested in kind of the history and the weird development crossovers in uh, those systems and stuff. So yeah, that was my nerdy moment. <laughs> <laughs>
1: hey, it was a good Wow, okay, and, and, I was not and, expecting that. Crack that nut on, on the sort of things that led into Metroid Prime, for sure. Oh, boy. So Fenendra... Dr- F- is it Fenendra? Fendrena. F- fen- 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 Fendrena. Fendrena.
2: Fendrena. Fendrena. Vandromeda drifts. <laughs>
1: Mass Effect Vandromeda.
2: Oh man! Oh man! Wait, hold on. Uh, that boy. would be. Can you imagine, like, Mass Effect game?
1: I mean, there was like a really
0: icy level in Andromeda. drama. I guess so. I don't remember. That was. Don't remember it. Reminding all. me a bit like this level. That's. Oh, There's that's also fine. a really icy level totally in,
2: in Mass Effect One. So.
0: Yeah. Noveria. Yeah,
2: Noveria, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Where the, where the almost Metroid-like um, queen uh, bug thing was. The Rachni Queen. Rachni Queen, thank you. I kept wanting to say Sarlacc, and I'm like, that's not the right... <laughs> <laughs> it's not it like kind of looks thing. like a I small Sarlacc. I kept wanting to say, like, a
0: Ar- Arachnid. You know.
2: So, I just want to, like, just plow
0: through this level, because it's, it's fairly meaty, but it's it's not that long. It's just going through the course of events that take place. So you go through this... This, like, former frozen, former enclave of the Chozo, which means something, I <sighs> guess? The Chozo are an ancient, so- oh, super-intelligent
1: race of bird people, uh, you know, they... they... Uh, but, uh I, uh, I know we've kind of gotten off track into the far-flung future of <laughs> Metroid, but it does kind of all have its roots and a lot of stuff in Metroid Prime, like, while, while, uh, the older Metroid games definitely had story and narrative, uh, with the prime games, there is a lot more of an emphasis on storytelling through the environments and finding your own kind of like little tiny narratives in each world. Like Mm -hmm. you brought up, you brought up when we were trying to talk about Fandrena Drift that it was like an abandoned Chozo outpost. Um, But I mean, that's kind of the story of a lot of different things that Chozo like they, they kind of fuck around, and then people die here, oh. and then they leave.
0: Their, their seed is, like, everywhere, right, pretty right. much, they're, in, like, every game. Like, they're the
1: uh, Protheans from fucking Mass Effect. Like, yeah. their influence is kind of just sprinkled everywhere on fuck. purpose. Yeah, yeah. Bioware, we, we see you over there. Here we go. God. <laughs> so, Fendra Fendrina-, Fendrina
0: Drifts. Drift. Fendrina Drifts, here we go, yeah. is the fourth level on Talon Four? And basically like, you face like two bosses, you get like a bunch of items and it's all set on the, it's, it's like icy planets. It's, it's also playing very much into the Metroid theme where there's like there's not a lot going on at first until you get into
1: the interior of a facility. then it gets hectic. it starts getting more claustrophobic for sure because like as, as good as this level is. it plays the strengths of it very well. I don't think a lot of what goes on in this level, in terms of like, oh, who are you fighting? What's going on? That's just not interesting. It's the, it's more of the environment itself that I find very fascinating yeah. because the final boss of this area is literally a pile of fucking rocks. Yep. Uh, it's, it's a
2: sentient pile <laughs> of rocks.
1: It is just a fucking mm-hmm. bunch of rocks. I don't even know if there's on involved. Like, uh, how, yeah, I yeah, don't yeah, yeah. know.
2: I think very I think, little. I think so. Well, I mean, on in the entirety of the environment, it, absolutely, because like this is where they're doing. The experiments to create the um, the great little, poison. And, and the, um, they have the invisible, yeah. um, the invisible space pirate. Uh, I forget what they're called. Oh
1: God, yeah, the, the ca- active camo or whatever. Right, yeah, yeah, and so
2: you get the you get the the X ray visor. Um, you get, uh, gosh, do you get the the get spider
0: ball? You get the boost ball. The, the wave, wave beam. beam. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of.
2: Um, and, and you get the entire that entire you know section of the interior of the space parrot um like facility in Fendrana drifts like yeah laboratories yeah i i'll tell you what this game's great and i think Fendrana drifts is the best level <laughs> in in uh one of the best levels in, in any metroid game but I hate the part where everything gets dark and you have to use the X-ray visor because back when you're playing this game on a little dark CRT, you can't really tell which way is which, and I would get really fucking confused. It's better now, <laughs>
1: right? Fuck. Right. It, it, it's it was it was definitely not the strongest part of the level. Like uh, uh, all the stuff where they're sort of building tension and and the sort of weird like. Going from the snow to, like, these science labs and fucking pirate outposts, that was really cool, and you see fucking Ridley flying in the background, I'm like, ha am I'm, I'm still here, oh, fucker.
0: yeah, it's also good.
1: Um, <laughs> just this foreboding buildup. Of yeah, really- it, it, it,
0: it's, it starts off, like, pretty great, because you, you, you coming out of that uh, transitionary elevator, and you, you start to see, like, okay, oh, this is the icy section, and, like, what, what do you face here? You face these creatures that, that you have to... Basically, just uh, just strafe around and, and to continue firing at, at their backside, just to peel off that armor to, to destroy them. And eventually, you realize like, oh, I'm go- going through this uh, Trozo um, former enclave, and you're you're facing these these creatures throughout, and you eventually reach the mid boss of Shiga, and you realize like, oh no. All these little creatures were, 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 like, practically, like, baby versions of this one giant this creature. This
1: giant fucking and like eventually ice he, dog, yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's like
1: Ice Beetle. It seems more like a beetle. That yeah, it's you song. can see the, the the insect nature of it. I, I, it's it's really cool how, like, some of the baby ones, like, don't have fucking eyes. Like, you can see the evolutionary process, um, which I think is... Uh, now that I'm thinking about it, I think that's kind of a reference to Metroid 2. Because all the other Metro... like uh, seeing them evolve, I, I don't know. Just the biology of these creatures reminds me of those older Metroids. But uh, how everything kind of just stems from yeah, one like, creature, like these two-legged
0: creatures with no eyes that kind of kind of remind me of all, all like those like skinless and also eyeless like zombies from Resident the Evil. Liquors. 2.
1: Yeah, yeah, they yeah. They the, liquors, the liquors. That's right. Yeah.
0: Not as disgusting as the liquors, but it's still like like well you uprise it and you kind of like remaster it to make it more hor- horrifying, yeah, that works. That works, you know? Mm-hmm.
1: But yeah, like... It, it, the, but eventually you get the, get the wave it, You do, yeah. Like, it, going through the laboratories and stuff and fighting through... Uh, there's, this weird, there's this weird galaxy map that uh, I thought was pretty cool. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's like, this, a this really is...
2: rad area. That's awesome.
1: Because like, oh, there's... there's I can see my planet from here. Like, yeah, there's Zebes in the background here. <laughs> Uh, like S S. Well, no, SR three eight. It's actually not there. It's like way far away. But um, it it's like little touches like that in these labs are pretty cool because it shows you sort of the grand scale of the space pirates. Because you hear space pirates and you don't really think much of them. You think they're just like okay, they're literally just Yarhard dee in space, like whatever. Dumb. They're just like stupid, yeah. a stupid faction of nothing nobodies. But like they're you know kind of going on like galactic conquest.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean just, it's like they're. It was really Prime where they kind of established them as like Metroid's Klingon uh, analog, you could say, because yeah, they have their own, they have their own home planet, their own empire, their own machinations. outside. like they're not really, you know, hijacking, uh, you know, interstellar space fighters vessels. to take their booty and and run. Like they, they're much more than that. They're yeah. just a faction, but with a terrible Absolutely, name. Yeah, well, and right. I, think, I think part of it was, you know retro and the other, and the rest of the development team is working with the what was laid out in the original Metroid and uh, the two that followed so Metroid 2 and Super Metroid and in that like mm-hmm. the space parrots mm-hmm. are in that and they are a, definitely a thing but it's like they're kind of like uh eh, you know this they, they're not they're like trying to steal stuff they're trying to steal uh, a metroid or do this or do that. They're not like.
0: They're trying to get like these super weapons and right. experiment them to bolster right, their but they're own not faction. Like, an
2: empire. Whereas in the Prime games, they absolutely are.
1: Oh, for sure, for sure. Hmm. Like all these different sort of experiments and and stuff. Like even from the first intro level, where you're on the frigate Orpheon. Mm-hmm. Uh, like clearly, these are. Uh, it's a faction with means and a, a faction with like a lot of power and money and 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 breadth of knowledge ahead of them. Like, they're... You know, all this experimentation is eventually what leads to the Metroid Prime kind of being what it is. Like, they just... They fucking have... The, a meteorite crashed on this planet, and then the space pirates are just like, what's all this goop? Let's fuck with it. And, like, let's, like, infuse it into the, Let's syringe this fucking poison into these creatures. Uh, you know, yes. and, that, and that's... Yeah. Let's see it, what happens. And that's why how not, you get you know? your fucking pile of rocks, <laughs> and that's how you get shit like that. But when you do it to a Metroid... It uh, gets very bad very fast.
2: Yeah, and this is... It mutates and... Yeah, you start seeing ugh. in in the Space Pirate uh, research lab, you're like, oh, they're doing this to their own people. And then later on, you realize, oh, they're doing this to Metroids as well, and like, it's fucked. Like, there's some weird shit.
1: Well, right, right. Like, you get to the fucking core of the planet, or, like, deeper into the core of the planet, and you're seeing, like, these weird two-headed Metroids pretty much, and these fucking, like, oh, it's where all the orange phase on comes in, which is, like, this weird, like... Pure form of it, yeah. Kind of like how magma to lava, you know, like oxygen hitting it, all that stuff. But um, Ugh. yeah, it's it's really messy, and and like you, by the time you get to like the titular Metroid Prime, it's just like okay, you're just like a hyper intelligent mutated just evil beast, <laughs> and like <laughs> and like you, you cling, you literally just like hold on to anything you can get your hands on when t- when it comes to keeping a physical form, because like fuck if I know if the the Phazon poison actually interacts with that weird Chozo ghost realm we were talking about like, it, it seems to have an effect, I think that's where the Chozo ghost probably came from, is like, the corruption of Phazon uh, in that weird astral um like, ascension they have you never know, like, it, it, they, it they definitely allude to, like, Phazon being the root of all this kind of bad and evil and, and stuff in the world um, especially early on in Talon 4 but uh, obviously, if you start out in the overworld, like you have to dig pretty deep to get to the bad stuff. And Cendrana Drifts is where you start digging deep, I'd argue. Exactly. And I, I do have to say this, like when I was watching the playthrough
0: of this level, once you get to the, um, the laboratories, the space pirate laboratories, it was kind of like a cool like intro to the space pirates. It's like, oh, no, they're back. Like, obviously you face them at, at the start, but the, the, this is where you actually get to more involved with the space bias Because like, at this point, you're just facing those two-legged creatures and you head inside and you trip the alarm. And all of a sudden, like a whole bunch of them just swarm at you and it's, it's just non-stop, it, it feels like. Up until you reach reach a point where you, you start seeing a, a bunch of these Metroids encased in glass until one escapes and then you, you just start killing it. And, and then you, you see like the, the true might of a Metroid in like a in like a first person shooter in this game. Because if you're looking at it from like a 2D perspective, like well okay, my, my, my tiny little character is, is being hit by, by this like jellyfish blob of, of like short tendrils and such, or like teeth instead of tendrils. But then here you can, you can see it like coming at you and just seeing how powerful it is compared to the space pirates, it's like, like space pirates ain't shit against <laughs> against the Metroid. No, and no. you start getting to the point where we're like, where you start seeing Metroids encased in glass, and you say, like, "Well, I'm just gonna break these open so I can so the Metroids can deal with the space space pirates, and I can just keep my distance and keep firing at these Metroids and
2: Definitely killing them."
1: Definitely more alien analogs there for sure. Yeah.
2: But, um... Well, and they, just for when you run into the metroids the first time that they you know suction onto you onto your face there's this kind of um you know the the what do you want to call it diegetic HUD in that game that is both your HUD and also uh the HUD of Samus's visor you know it goes all staticky and it turns off when the the metroids are literally sucking the energies of like reserves out of your out of your suit so it's you you first get that um that sort of effect and it just you know it just adds to the extremely palpable sense of immersion that this game has and this um vendrana drifts is interesting though to me like just within the whole scope of not just prime but really any metroid game in that it's outdoor environments are the only outdoor winter environments like the first time they will prime uh, uh, two and or Prime three had had has this too, but up until now, like we Pretty hadn't had there. like outdoor Metroid environments other than like Chozo ruins, you know, in in mm-hmm. Super Metroid, and then again in in Prime. So this is like, I know, kind of like past the the intro to the to the whole level, but it's just something to keep in mind is that this was like, this was weird, this was a weird thing that somehow they made an exterior frozen tundra work in a metroid game and it's really cool
0: yeah just just looking at some, some of the some of the beats where it's like okay it's a first-person shooter it's outside for a good portion of the game it's not inside a building and it's still somehow a i mean metroid if you look like, at a
2: screenshot it looks like a jack and daxter level you know like there's floating platforms <laughs> and weird windmill like structures and it doesn't look like it doesn't look like the claustrophobic caverns and uh, research facilities of or, or ancient ruins, for that matter, of other Metroid games. But it's just it,
1: not at all. It's, it, it's a lot more open, a lot more yeah. natural looking. Yeah. To me, it kind of reminds me of like a Jack and Daxter level, just because of the like aesthetics of of the rundown. Uh, the rundown science stuff contrasting with the snowy, just these ruins that are just snowing over it. And then you have these, like, weird, those aforementioned weird dog ice monster bug things. Like, yeah, it it, it feels of the era, of, like, the GameCube era, like Generation mm-hmm. 6 or whatever, like that that whole era of games. Like, it, it I, you, when you see it, I can definitely tell it's, like, one of those types of levels, but it does it so well. It, there's a bit of a timeless quality to, uh, how they how they do *Fendrinn* Drifts.
2: There's, um, I was I had a discussion. I, I, I made like a long Twitter thread about this a while ago, but I was discussing it with some uh, some of my friends. And um, the GameCube, I think, was the last the last system that I think had a, um, or I guess this era, like so, like the GameCube, the PS2, and and the original Xbox was the last time that you had a graphical identity to each of the systems. Like, you look at a, a GameCube game and you're like, yeah, that looks like a GameCube game. But the thing about Metroid Prime that's really interesting is it doesn't really look like the rest of the game. Like, GameCube kind of, in my... For me, it picked up the the, the Dreamcast baton and is like, we're going to have, like, super saturated colors and really clean lines and everything's going to be sparkly and bright. But Metroid doesn't look like that and I think with the exception of the outdoor environments of Fendrona Drifts, where everything is like blue and bright white and silver and stuff, so it's yeah, it's just a really striking area.
0: Th- th- those feel natural, yeah. yeah. The the only thing that's, that's that's like overly striking is Samus's orange and right, yellow yeah. suit.
2: So, <clears throat> anyway, yeah, I just I just think that not only does Fendrona stand out like in in the series and in the game, it stands out in the entire like. I guess the entire system wide library of the GameCube. For me, at least.
0: Oh, yeah, totally. When you think of the GameCube, Xbox, PS2 era, you think like real, like basic primary colors that just splash. That you just see, and it's like, oh, yeah, this looks like a of its time like a cartoon platformer. There's just so much. It really wants you to know, like, hey, we've got a lot more colors this time, and plus, it doesn't look like it's like like like, like various like textures on a face are, are like flat. <laughs> it feels like there's like oh, this looks more like a face, or like this more lo- looks right. more like a tree now, instead of like well, it kind of feels like it's strong in or or it's just it being like overly sharp. It just, it, it just feels like it gets to the point where, like, alright, th- th- this is the point where, like, a lot of the consoles, like the GameCube, Xbox, PC at that time, and the, the uh, GameCube, they, they all seem to, like, reach a certain point, and, like, well, it's kind of indistinguishable just seeing, like, w- w- what each, each console can do, because, like, you, you can, like, port I mean, various I, games over, and, and a lot of games over. I think I would over. too,
2: though, I mean... When it came to system exclusives, though, like this was, the, I think, I think it wasn't really until the next generation when it was just 360 and PS3 on that on that kind of level of fidelity that you really had that mm-hmm. sort of where you started to see that homogenization. I still think that there was there was at least to the exclusives like a system based um, look to each one, like you. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it wasn't the GameCube the second. It was definitely more powerful than the PS2, but I don't remember if it was more powerful than the Xbox or not. But
0: I think it was. Hmm. I think it was maybe tied with the Xbox. Like I remember. Well, this. Oh gosh, like this was one like a- adage or, or like this one talking point about the GameCube of like, oh, this is when Nintendo. Tried to be at, yes. at the very best, be at the, the the cutting edge, and that just stuck with me. That they, they were like the the top console in, in terms of like performance well, is, and it, such, or like graphical shows, performance.
2: Like, I mean, obviously, it was the Metroid Prime trilogy looks better, and it's in widescreen and HD and whatever. But
0: throw it up yeah. on a Dolphin, like you just just like you did, and, and, and the, it's like, yeah, this works. Looks this looks than, good.
2: And then a lot of stuff out there is purely because of its art direction. Um, I mean, like, you're not going to be like, wow, this is the most graphically, like, highest graphical fidelity I've ever seen, but it just, nothing looks like it, and it's really good.
0: Right, it it looks, like, a lot better for its time. Like, it doesn't look like a 2002 game. Well, another thing, too, So much
2: about this, I mean, and this is kind of like, this is going more back to the, just going through the level itself, like, beat by beat, but the thing about, any Metroid game or Metroidvania or game that takes that sort of non linear, uh, contiguous uh, level design. Like a lot of that stuff, you're not, it's not like you're going through, this isn't a, you know, this isn't a Mario level or a Zelda dungeon. This is like, you are going through this area and these are all the things that you're gonna do in this area, but you're not gonna do it all at the same time. And depending on if you're playing with hints mm-hmm. on or not, like you, you're going to be backtracking back and forth so the fact that they were able to right. make this and really every single prime level visually interesting and um, distinct enough to where you you'd always know exactly where you are is a, just another testament to the extremely good art direction in this game and this level especially
0: true true like w- within like the, the typical like video game world conventions of, of like like well, you got a fire level, you got an ice level, you got a rainy level, and such. But y- even from those trappings, you, you, you can still like say like, okay, this is a screenshot of this world. Can you tell me what world this is? It's like, it's like oh yeah, that's 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 the uh, overworld where, where, where her ship is. Like oh that that's, that's the uh, mag- Magmon Magmore. Caverns is it Magmore called?
1: Magmore Caverns.
0: Magmar. Magmore. More. Magmore. Moor. Magmar. M O O R. Magma. Smegma.
2: The spec the Sme God the Schme- damn it you beat me to it.
0: Oh boy. So anything else talking about the Fendrina drifts?
2: Uh, no, I, I mean, think we've about covered it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean like it's just Okay. Actually, yes. It has <laughs> it has Not only does it have extremely great music, I'm pretty sure it's the only it's the only time that there was uh piano keys In a Metroid song, you have to you have to correct me on Mm. that if I'm wrong. But like as far as you know, memorable ones, I can't think of anything else that has piano keys in a Metroid song, and it's it's real good, especially when the like remixes when you get a little bit later in the uh, you you've picked up a few of the upgrades and here and there and the you've turned on the mechanisms of the of ruins and you get like a, uh, a kind of a techno beat, a subtle techno beat under the those piano scales. It's mm-hmm. fucking Slash Man. It's just so good. <laughs> anyway, it I really on for It's a great, it's a great track.
1: Yeah, it, it's a very atmospheric track. Like it's it's one of the standout Metroid Prime tracks, and a lot of the other Metroid Prime tracks were kind of just Remixes of other songs. It it um, underscores
2: the weird cold oh, feeling yeah. of the environment, it, like just everything about. Oh, God, this game is so good. Ah. It's so good.
0: Oh, it totally works though. You you totally feel like you're isolated, and, and obviously the little like tricks with the, with the visor, like oh, it, it's it's slight, but it's it's enough to feel like well, all right, all right, like I I am totally alone here, and you know, Samus is not gonna be like like, huh. That's a weird thing I just scanned. I better talk to myself right now about it. Yeah, it does
2: make you feel... I mean, it does underscore the isolation, definitely. And it definitely makes you feel... You know, the coldness and the... the, Just the kind of spookiness of the... Every song in the game does that.
0: The dare I say alien aspect of that.
2: (laughs) The thing about it is... it, It really... And all Metroid music does is it drives you forward. It's atmospheric, but it's never... Um, Like Oppressive It never makes you 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 always It's more like A sense of wonder And uh, Exploration Rather than Mm -hmm. like Oh dude There's a fucking alien In the In the Wall vent That is gonna Pop out at me And You know (laughs) it's weird babies In my stomach And Like It's it's, The it's no, it's not a horror game. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's creepy. There are times it just gets really creepy and weird, but you you're never you're never you're never discouraged from. It's it's forward. part of the reason why I
0: right. It's it's, it's part of the reason why I, I like the Spyro series, where, where it's just like, well, yeah, it's not that difficult. Yeah, big deal, but like it, the fun of it is just exploring, and and just trying to yes. collect. A lot and, and, and just trying to discover more to it and that's part of the part of the reason why like met metroid prime was so so yeah. good because like it was a first person game but like they, they retro made it the way it is to make it easier to platform make it easier to fight enemies up until the bosses and just just like well yeah you're facing some hardships and speed bumps but they're speed bumps or that they're not like outright roadblocks yet. you have to like try to like swerve
2: around the road for i don't think i played a game that made me feel the weird not weird but just the really deep sense of exploration and uh curiosity until i played (laughs) dark souls and the game here we go the the last (laughs) game that made me feel that way before i played metroid prime you guys want to guess you guys want to guess spyro 2
1: Morrowind. Yeah, I was literally <laughs> going to
2: say fucking Morrowind.
0: There we go. There we go. Oh, God. I, My brand. Uh, hit, her, hit, her, hit her quota. Right at oh, the end, gosh. too. Just really, really it. just uh-huh. God. thread the needle on that one. Squeeze it in. Uh-huh. Ugh. Uh, that said, Dylan, do you have anything to plug?
1: Uh,
0: <laughs> Any final no, thoughts on, 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 on uh, Metroid Prime?
1: Play this fucking game. I know we were kind of expecting some Metroid Prime trilogy announcements on Switch, but if you can't do that, just play the game however you see fit. I, it, it's a game worth experiencing in 2019. It is a hell of a game fucking 18 years later. Um and see for yourself and hear for yourself the atmosphere of Fendrana Drifts and why it's so awesome and play the rest of the fucking game it's a really really good game uh, in terms of personal plugs uh, you can follow the rest of the PNB network here on twitter at PNBCast you can follow myself at Tierney, Robert at 23breach Brendan at Brendan underscore LH uh, you can donate to our Patreon which is how this show has even started to begin with uh, patreon.com slash pnb we are so so close to getting our my hero academia podcast up and running um we've already got, started contacting artists and um, musicians and stuff for you know getting artwork and and uh, i guess a theme song kind of going down um so definitely peep patreon.com slash pnb for all that stuff we've got exclusive podcasts coming like pnbfm on love songs should be up in time for valentine's day um, and we are in the planning stages for the next episode of After Alpha, our monthly tabletop podcast, so definitely keep your eyes peeled. That, those latter two, exclusive to patreon.com slash pnb. You know what's funny? You got through
0: that entire plug section. Would I, I been mentioning your podcast, Ellen? Of
1: course. Who can forget Grind Forever, the sister show of Level Select, <laughs> uh, the bi-weekly podcast you We, uh, myself and TL, uh, talked about Pokemon Let's Go last week, uh, just because it was a a nice refresher for the format, and hey, uh, we've already talked about the other two Pokemon Red and Blue games, so why don't we just talk about the third?
2: (laughs) May as as well, well, but uh,
1: we have more coming up. Uh, TL was spitballing to me something about a a preview show for upcoming RPGs for the year, just kind of, not a year in review, but like a year in preview, so uh, keep your ears mm-hmm. peeled for that one um and yeah and as always we've got B every thursday our uh bullshit kind of just shooting the shit talking about video games show uh the flagship show of pnb i am so good at these plugs i very did nice them very nice close. and
0: yeah <laughs> yeah yeah no fair <laughs> enough fair enough I, i'm doing a little clap but not not a lot enough clap so you can hear it on the mic
1: <laughs> a little tiny golf clap
0: Golf clap, yes. yes, yes. Little Pelosi clap. Yeah.
2: Oh, God. No, nothing. Nothing? Nothing. nothing. <laughs> Bre- <laughs> Brendan, fine, plug fine. your shit. Take my Brendan, joke and plug please. your shit. <laughs> uh, you, uh, Dylan mentioned my Twitter. You can follow me, uh, Brendan underscore LH. Um, you can find my writing on Lifehacker and IGN and soon Business Insider and every once in a while some of that lifehacker stuff shows up on kotaku um, and you can follow my instagram which is at e-y-e-a-m-h-a-a-b i am ahab it's the uh Henry spelled out M- i yeah. yeah 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 um uh, for you know i do some art stuff and i've got some cool stuff that i'll be posting up there hopefully in the next couple weeks um And I also just recently started a YouTube channel, which you can find through that Twitter link that I mentioned earlier. So, yeah, check that out.
0: Very nice. And, of course, Brendan is no stranger to the PNB Network. He's been on multiple, multiple... Grind forever yeah. and level selects.
2: Yeah, just uh, look at the feed. About... Like
0: or, 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 or there's like a one in three chance you might come across an episode of his.
2: Pretty much, and if uh, if I mentioned the game <laughs> on this episode, I probably talked about it on one of those episodes too. So,
0: <laughs> totally, totally. So that about does it for this episode of Level Selects. You can tune in next episode for Fallout Tactics.
2: Oh, dude! Two oh, Christ, dude! Could you imagine though?